across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pints. My wife's cakes are selling up hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? Delicious. <laughs> A chilly good afternoon to you. Welcome to Flavour, with an hour of Cambridge area food and drink stories and news with Alan Alder and myself, Matt Bentman. Now, Sue Bailey isn't here today, but she will be back next time. And today is a big day, because today is the Mill Road Winter Fair. Now, you've already had a look, Alan. Yeah, yeah, I've I've walked up there before on the way to the studio. It's just building brilliantly. I saw the fire engine being tugged along, lots of people already, lots of mobile phones snapping pictures, lots of food, queues forming. It's just (laughs) going to be brilliant. Certainly will. And we'll be covering what food and drink is on at the Winter Fair today. And also we'll be hearing from the foraging chef, Steve Thompson, about what's good to forage at the moment, and also about his hugely successful collaborations with Amphora, where he provides a five-course tasting menu with an emphasis on foraged ingredients, and Chong Chong Bo of Amphora provides a flight of ten matching wines. We welcome local chef and food writer Rosie Sykes back to flavour with some simple and very tasty ideas for cooking squash. Sue Bailey has visited Grape Britannia in its new home in Staples Corner, Chesterton Road, and we hear what they're offering. And we've a live tasting of some unusual food as well. That's at the end of the programme. And we've our usual roundup of local food news too and our job section. But first, the Winter Fair, which I'll be dashing back to at the end of the programme. There's a huge list of food and drink providers which we'll tell you about shortly. But first, many of the established restaurants, cafes and bars and food food and drink shops in Mill Road will be serving specials from the roadside right now as well as being open as usual. Yeah, and Finboy's at number two Mill Road is out on the street with oysters, prawn toast, which Jay Rayner, he reviewed so enthusiastically about in the Observer newspaper recently, and smoked haddock chowder, uh, possibly hot lobster rolls too? Well, actually, they've changed their mind about the hot lobster rolls, which is a bit of a shame because I'd really fancy them. But as I was walking past, I asked Jay Scrimshaw of Finboy's how many oysters they bought in to sell today, mm-hmm. and the answer was 2,000. That's just fantastic. 2,000 yeah. all day. Yeah. Wow. Last year they had 1,000 and they just sold them out so quickly. So this <laughs> year they've got 2,000. So there might even be some left by the time the programme's <laughs> finished and I've got back there. I really hope so. Well, Scott's All Day has three pizza ovens out in the street. Yeah, and I asked some of the cafe and restaurant owners and others if they were doing anything out in the street. So here's a roundup in no particular order, but beginning with Arjuna, then Noodles Plus... Harvest, Meadows, Mr Ho, Al Casbah, Bacchanalia and Mill Road Butchers. Dave, what's happening at Arjuna on uh, Winter Fair Day? Well, we have two stalls. We have a soup and pizza stall and we have a cake stall that has lovely fresh uh, balti pasties, mushroom wellington, lots of cakes and chai tea. And obviously we have lots of Christmas gifts in the shop and it's all dressed up to look beautiful and hopefully it'll be a fun day for all. Right, Mushroom Wellington, that sounds pretty interesting. Mushroom Wellington, yeah, it's very, very popular, slices of that. We also sell nut roast and mushroom Wellington pre-prepared for people's Christmases. They can book on the day or in the couple of weeks leading up to Christmas, uh, which saves them people work on Christmas Day. So you can have it pre-made for you. Is Noodle Plus doing anything for the Winter Fair on Saturday? Yeah, we do, yeah. What are you doing? Uh, we do uh, fried dumpling and uh, fried steam bun. Uh, well, and out in the street, people can buy it out in the street? Yeah. Hi, I'm TJ from Harvest. Um, on the uh, fair, Mill Road Fair, we're doing hot dogs and burgers. Outside, we will have a stool and we will be open as usual for our uh, hot drinks and smoothies and shop. 
Here at Meadows, we have a stall outside with all our cheeses, um, which we've done in previous years at Guider Street, but we're moving it to our new shop um, this year. So we'll have a big cheesy market stall. We're also doing a special menu on the day of um, a hot French onion soup with um, a cheesy toast on top and um, lots of our homemade bakes, including our mince pies, will be available as well. And mulled wine, of course. Um, and we'll also have a selection of cold drinks, including our, um, some of our craft beers that we do at Newnham. So we're licensed for the day here for the fair. Mr. Ho Chinese John, we're doing something like a pork dumping and a chicken dumping. And uh, also we're doing something like a what, uh, berm chicken and uh, with the pork. Yeah, we also do some uh, cute sausage and uh, pop, pop the rice, some soft drink, and uh, we do some like a pop tea. So I got it comes with a lot of choice, yeah. We are Al Casbah restaurant on Mill Road. Uh, we are gonna do a charcoal grill outside. We'll be selling skewers of um, lamb sausages, homemade North African lamb sausages. They're called murgaz. We'll also be doing some chicken breast cooked on a charcoal grill. Uh, for vegetarians, we'll have falafel and uh, hummus and other, other dips and things. So, any any yeah. drinks? Drinks, uh, we'll be selling soft drinks. We'll also have some baklava, some fresh hot mint tea. Back in Ailey Wine Merchants on Mill Road, and we will have the Duxford Scrumpy Company out the front, uh, just sampling their ciders. A friend of mine and really good sort of natural cider company making some sort of quite rough around the edges but tasty <laughs> cider and in shop we will hopefully be doing some tastings with the bubbly bandits as my new colleague is the son of gabby who runs that company so we'll be doing dorello and sparkling wine from italy 12 to 3 ish we're looking at so yeah around about that so milroy butchers uh, we'll be having a barbecue selling all our homemade sausages out the front four flavors to choose from our classic cumberlands which are our own recipe a new market style, a spicy Italian Sicilian, and a Jamaican jerk. You know, there's also a very large number of vendors in other areas too, such as Petersfield Gardens. The list is reasonably complete, we think, but apologies if we've left anybody out. In Petersfield Gardens, there is, for example, Il Molino, with its olive oils, jams, and other produce from a single farm in Italy. Yeah, actually, if you go there, I would recommend really strongly his sour cherry jam. It's one of the best jams I've ever tasted. <laughs> There's also Peichin's Table with her chilli oils and hot sauces, the Tea Apothecary, and Shui Cam Coffee with their coffees from Colombia. On Donkey Common by the swimming pool, there's Kickstart Coffee. In the Guida Street car park, there's a huge number of traders. I don't know how they fit all of them in. Afric Food, a repast station with a Venezuelan food. Aurelia Pastisserie, Black Rice Paella, Fired Up Pizza, Gentleman Jim's Mobile Bar. Karif Catering, with a fusion of South African and Jamaican food. King of Wraps, Ling Ling Steam Kitchen, which is back on the road after a refit. Mm. Uh, Scotty's Hot Scotch Eggs, Spencer's Baked Potatoes, Vegan Bites, Vereccia's Crepes. And if you head down Tennyson Road, they've got Cromwell Cider and the Wandering Yak. St Barnabas Road, meanwhile, has Azahar, who we hope will be cooking his paella. There's also Brewboard and Chicken and Tings. And there's also a very interesting brewery stall in Headley Street, which is the road parallel to Kingston Street, but closer to the bridge. It's the crossover blending stall, which has oak-aged beers, and they're aged for quite a considerable time in oak barrels. So it should be a really interesting drink, and I'm you know, very keen to try it. Also in Headley Street is Molino Handmade Pasta, Rotisserol, and the Cambridge Cider Company. Just over Mill Road Bridge on the Broadway, there is Bee Barrel Cider and Perry and Cake Pull-Up, which has vegan cakes and bakes and Turkish cardamom espresso. Yeah, Turkish cardamom espresso, yum. <laughs> <laughs> it all adds up to a foodie delight, and I'm looking forward to enjoying some more of it. But, but, oh, sorry. I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> We're very excited here today. <laughs> Now details of free food available in and around Cambridge and the information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Olio app and that exists so that people's or businesses' surplus food doesn't go to waste. That's right. And today's look at Olio for Cambridge shows us that Russell 
who is in Coleridge Road. He has bread loaves to give away, including wholemeal and white sliced. Hannah, next to Cherry Hinton Hall Park, has some Nespresso coffee pods going spare because she no longer has the machine. Jean in Chesterton has a bag of baked goods consisting of pretzels, croissants, and those chocolate bread twists, whilst Jesslyn off Tennyson Road has a new box of Dr. Oatka soft fondant icing. Um... Nothing from Oleo regular will run this time around. I thought I'd mention that. Maybe he's attending the Mill Road Winter Fair. Uh, but that's everything for Oleo today. A little bit sparse again. It's definitely busier during the weekdays in wintertime, I think. This is. Yeah. Right, right, interesting. And there's also another free app, which is called Too Good To Go. And that has unsold food from restaurants and shops, often at less than half price. And rather than specifying each leftover item, the surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag ready for you to take home. And that is instead of it being binned at the end of the day's trading, which is what would happen. Hmm. Now, a little later in the programme, Steve Thompson will be here. But before then, here is a wonderful free food idea from him. Nice things to try out is like making a rose hip syrup to go with your mince pies or something like that at the moment. So the rose hips are perfect at the moment. They're jammy. So by jammy, I mean that they'll make your fingers really messy when you pick them. And that's when we want them. So if you get your rose hips, yeah, get them when they're really, really soft and messy fingers. Otherwise, just leave them on there for a bit longer. Boil them up with equal quantities of water and sugar. Make sure you've got lots of rose hips in there, so really release a lot of flavour. And your house will smell kind of like apple crumble after you've done that. They're amazing. And flavour when you kind of when you get them really, really jammy and overripe and you uh, make a syrup with them is kind of like apple and rhubarb in flavour. And they've almost got like a maltiness to them as well. So you really smell like apple crumble. So once you've got that syrup, then you can reduce that right down nicely and just finish it with a splash of cream. And then you've got a really nice little sauce for your mince pies. Oh, well, doesn't that sound good? <laughs> I'm going to try it. <laughs> Steve will be cooking us Amphora on Devonshire Road on the 17th of December. And Sue Bailey asked him about his meals there and what's on offer on the 17th, and we'll hear all about it after our first news break for today, the 2nd of December. Yep, and first off the line is a Christmas fair at the Gogmagog Farm Shop. That's running all this weekend, 10 till 3, at Heath Farm on the Gogmagog Hills near the roundabout. You'll be able to meet their suppliers, taste their wares. There'll also be food trucks, food demonstrations and plenty of music. Tomorrow, there's a Christmas fair at the Food Museum in Stowmarket, as well as crafts and foods. There's a bar, brilliantly called the Snowman's Arms, and that's selling beers, ciders and mulled wine, as well as mince pies made from a Mrs Beaton recipe. And there's another Christmas market tomorrow at Burwash Larder in Barton, running from 10 till 4 and entry is free. Cambridge Sustainable Food has launched a fundraiser to make sure that everyone in the city has enough food this winter, providing Christmas hampers for those worst hit by the cost of living increase and struggling with bills. Now, last year, the fundraiser was able to distribute more than 650 hampers containing seasonal veg, festive food and a toy to families in need. Yeah, and they're hoping to send out even more this year. A £15 donation could fund vegetables for a family over the Christmas period, while £150 could keep one of the Cambridge food hubs stocked for a week. If you'd like to donate to this cause, you can head online to gofundme.com and search for Cambridge Winter Cost of Living Crisis Campaign. And they're currently almost halfway towards the £7,500 goal, which is fantastic. On the 5th of December, Vanderlyle opens its reservations for January and its new lasagna sounds worth a booking in itself. It's got house-made pasta, layers of bechamel sauce, a 12-hour all-veg ragu, truffled bechamel foam, trelati cheese and black truffle. Just fantastic. <laughs> Ooh. On the 7th of December, Rosie Sykes has a supper club in Southwold at the Old Hospital Canteen. It costs £35 and you can reserve your place by emailing info at oldhospitalcanteen.co.uk and here's Rosie with more details. Collaborating with uh, the canteen, which is at the Old Hospital in Southwold, which is a wonderful community interest organisation where they have this amazing canteen, which is open every day for lunch. And they open one Thursday a month for dinner. And uh, they asked me to come along and do a dinner. So I've tried to keep it really nice and seasonal. And I'm using lovely produce from Fen Farm Dairy, so the Baron Bygod people. There's a lot of wonderful organic 
um, and and lo- just local locally grown vegetables in Suffolk. Um, and I was going to do pork, which there is a lot of in Suffolk, but I've decided to do lamb. I'm doing lamb belly, which is quite, um, I think people don't, well, they definitely don't use it very much and they're probably a bit scared of it. But um, it's it's a really great cut if you have time to cook it slowly. To make it a bit Christmassy, I'm cooking it with dry apricots, fennel and bay. So there's a lot of fennel seeds. So there's loads of wild fennel in Suffolk along the sea. So that's why I wanted to do that. And um, bay, there's always a lot of bay around. And then we're doing, um, as a starter, actually, I'm doing roast squash. A friend of mine had a huge glut of squash. So we're doing that with brown butter and sage on a pancake made from buttermilk from Fen Farm Dairy. And then putting a spiced cake with um, apples and, and quinces and ginger custard. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's it's a really wonderful space. If you're ever up in Southwold, go there for a coffee or lunch. Just really lovely. Every Wednesday at St. Philip's Church at 185 Mill Road, there is a pay-as-you-feel cafe. All proceeds will be going to the community food projects. Stir Bakery's home deliveries have restarted. Deliveries are every Tuesday and Friday, and there will be also deliveries on the 23rd and 24th of December. And Scottsall Day in Mill Road is starting its own delivery service beginning on Tuesday. Delivery companies like Deliveroo and Uber Eats take a whopping portion of the bill for their deliveries, so this should make good economic sense. There'll be a £3 delivery charge for orders over £30, but no charge for orders over 50 There's a gin masterclass on the 6th of December with William Lowe of Cambridge Gin. There are very few tickets for this event, which costs £30, so you may need to go on the waiting list. It takes place at the Cambridge Wine Merchants in King's Parade at 8 o'clock on the 6th of December, and you can try getting a ticket by phoning Cambridge 309 309. And we'll have more news later. Okay, let's hear now about the pop-ups at Amphora. Here's Steve Thompson talking with Sue Bailey about them and what's on the menu for the next one. I gather you've been pretty busy with your six, seven course tasting menus at Amphora, is that right? Yes, we've been doing lots of those still with Chong. She's absolutely incredible there. And once we really don't do many pop-ups outside of that now because once you've done the food paired with her wine, it just doesn't feel right doing anything else so yeah we've got a five course pop-up coming up on the 17th of december at amphora it's paired with uh, a 10 course wine flight from chong and there are still tickets available so if you go on amphora's website you search amphora cambridge and uh, you can buy tickets through her events section there just to give me a bit of a flavour of the types of dishes that you do, because I know you do different ones every single time, perhaps you could give me an idea of, if you're lucky enough to get a ticket, the types of dishes we might be tasting. Certainly. So we've got some uh, lovely pig's cheeks with wood bluets and acorns. That's going to be one of our courses on there. We've got some uh, venison lomo that we're making, so cured venison loin that's going to go with crumpets and fermented green figs. And then our hedgerow curry powder. Uh, We're doing pheasant sausages with whiskey and hazelnut and trooping funnel mushrooms. So if you want to taste that mushroom, you can come along. And then we're finishing off with one of our kind of signature mushroom desserts. So we've got a morel garum mushroom dessert that we're going to be doing with wood avon roots and baked apples and lots of the carrot family, so like lovages and things like that. That sounds really fascinating. And the garum, I mean, garum is not something I would have associated with mushrooms. Could you describe what garum is? Well, garum effectively is a fermented fish sauce, but I think since Noma kind of came along, they changed it a lot more and made it. Originally, garum was done through autolysis, so taking whole fish, heavily salting and heavily sugaring them and leaving them out in the Mediterranean sun, basically, in pots to ferment, well, not to ferment, actually, to do the process of autolysis, which you need the gut bacteria to do. However, like Noma took it in a different direction and then started using koji fermentation and things like that. Noma being the very well-known restaurant in Copenhagen, which is still going, I believe, or I not? They've shut down now, yeah. Be, they're still going in some guys and they'll be back, I'm sure. Yeah, but I mean, they were they were pioneering the sort of unusual foraging, weren't they? Yeah, they were doing a lot of, yeah, flavour manipulations and things like that. So their book on fermentation is quite kind of 
it's an industry leading book it's very very good so with this uh morel garum we do use koji fermentation we also use lacto fermentation as well so we took kind of two batches of it we dried out the mushrooms then we charred them then we put some to one side and used the protein base to kind of almost make a miso type thing that went in there and then we took the rest of them and rehydrated them again and added brown sugar and then added a lacto fermentation starter and let that go and then kind of mix the two together so we've got this really really funky mushroom sauce mm. and that's going in a little ice cream and we've got some treacle that we've made out of it and things like that so it's a real fun dessert and we often end on really funky mushroom ones so and i've i've tasted um some of your desserts and wow i mean they are they're just like nothing else. You would not think that they were mushroom, but they are just brilliant. You mentioned koji fermentation. What is that? Because you're so into this, but I don't understand what koji is. It sounds more like one of Rowan's special superheroes. Yeah, so koji is basically um, using aspergillus orose. I can never say the word, aspergillus orose type of bacteria to kind of make food safe again it's used a lot in east asian cooking and it's based around rice basically so things like think things like sake and mirin and all of that and that's the kind of classic ways of using koji fermentation oh that's really interesting oh thank you for that although your wine and food pairings with chong are not cheap the quality of wines is amazing. And as you've just been describing, the amount of work that goes into creating all the individual elements of your dishes, actually, it makes incredibly good value for, for the, the quality and the style and the flavours that you come up with. Yeah, I think we're not what we're offering isn't an everyday meal. So it's an experience and the reason why we like to do things different is because we like to give something for people to remember. There is plenty of places you can go out and get a meal that is using flavours that you'll get in lots of everyday restaurants and things like that. And I just get really, really bored by it, to be entirely honest. So we like to do something that's really different, that stands out in your mind and gives you a memory afterwards. And yeah, we, I think price is subjective to what you do. And I think what you're getting with myself and Chong is two people that are really passionate about what they do, that are very experienced. And we have a different way of thinking to a lot of other people. So it's an experience that you're not going to get in many other places. No, I would certainly agree with that. And I, I know certainly if if I was thinking of a very nice Christmas present, I would be thinking about booking ahead for next year, if not for the for the Christmas one. So you will have quite a few more coming up, I presume, in the new year as well. Yes, we have no plans to stop doing this at the moment. We're absolutely loving them. We really, really enjoy doing them. And I think we'll probably have a month off in January. And then I think we'll hit the ground running probably from February, March onwards. Yeah, well, that does sound good. Desserts using mushrooms are pretty unusual. Have you ever had one? Not that I know of. <laughs> I think you'd know if you had. Yeah. Uh, there's a recipe for one in Rick Stein's Long Weekends book that I made once, but uh, you don't see them often. No, no. I wonder why they're not more popular. Um, I think I can understand why. <laughs> <laughs> Well, time for a bit more news now. And on the 14th of December, at the Clay Farm Community Garden, there is a Christmas roast served by rotisserie. There will also be mulled wine, a fire pit, and marshmallows with carol singing from a local church choir. Sounds good, doesn't it? You can book tickets on the Clay Farm Community Garden website. Biscotti di Deborah is hard at work producing cakes and pasticcini for Christmas. Orders need to be made by the 10th of December, her website has details of what's available and the price. And the last date for collection is the 24th of December between 9am and 12 noon. Vandalisle has its annual festive hamper available, stocked full of good things such as Oris and Sons hot sauce, Vandalisle's marmalade and their granola too, salted caramel, Cotswold gold truffle mayonnaise, caviar seaweed and plenty more. The cost is £85 and it's for collection on the 23rd of December. You can find more details on the Vandalisle website. Looking ahead to New Year, on New Year's Eve there's a bottomless dinner at Scott's All Day. To book, email Scott at scottsallday.com And here's a couple of openings coming up, both in Eddington. First up is Dolcido Social, that's opening in January, and Harvest is probably going to be opening in March. Listen out for Head Chef Post at Dolcido Social at the end of the programme. And the Green Rooms in Sawston, which sadly closed earlier in the year after so much work had been done to do the premises up and to get it going. It's to be taken over by Victor Victoria Coffee, and that's a highly rated coffee house from Newmarket. 
it. Mm, more news later. And coming up in the second half of the programme, we'll be hearing about what can be foraged currently. We get some really practical and very tasty ideas for squashes from Rosie Sykes. Find out about Grape Britannia's new shop and what they're selling. And we have a live tasting here in the studio of a very unusual food. Don't go away. Cambridge 105 Radio. Come join Cambridge 105 Radio at the Mill Road Winter Fair. This Saturday, we'll be joining thousands of visitors to Cambridge's most cosmopolitan street. We'll take in the sights and sounds of the event that signals the start of Christmas in the city. The firefighters' engine pool, buskers, circus performers, dancers and plenty of live music from our vantage point at the top of the road. Live from Mill Road Winter Fair, Saturday from 10am on Cambridge 105 Radio. Homelessness can happen to anyone. Graham's happy and stable home life was shattered when he experienced a catastrophic mental breakdown. In the grip of his mental illness, he withdrew from friends and family and his journey into homelessness began. At his lowest point, rough sleeping on the streets of Cambridge, Graham sought help from Winter Comfort. With our support, Graham is now living in his own flat, receiving counselling and has reconnected with his family. Since the start of the year, Winter Comfort have supported more than 600 people who are experiencing or at risk of homelessness in Cambridge and demand continues to rise. This Christmas, if you can, please donate online at wintercomfort.org.uk to help us to continue to bring hope to those in desperate need in our community. Thank you so much. And on behalf of everyone at Winter Comfort, Merry Christmas. Tired of long waiting lists to see a dentist? As a private clinic, Dentistry and More can book you an appointment when it's convenient to you. We believe dental visits should be a pleasant experience. Our relaxing and welcoming clinic is in the centre of Trumpington, right next to the Clay Farm Centre and Sainsbury's. Our team comprises highly experienced dental specialists who are dedicated to delivering the highest standard of care using the latest dental equipment to provide efficient and painless treatment. We offer a 10% discount for NHS workers and we have additional hygienist appointments available on Saturdays. Find out more at dentistryandmore.co.uk. Well, welcome back to Flavour, and welcome back to local chef Rosie Sykes, who's been recently cooking in Italy and Portugal. When I spoke to her this week, she was in France, but coming back to UK soon. I asked Rosie for ideas for cooking squash, and what great ideas they are. Rosie, there's a lot of squash about. Any good ideas for squash? Absolutely, Alan. We're so lucky now. There are so many different varieties of squash around um, and I really urge people not to just go for a Kenyan butternut in the supermarket, but to sort of look out, even in little vegetable shops, various places, you're going to find different types. And I really would recommend seeking those out, squash and pumpkin, actually. One of my favourites is a crown prince. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the butternut, but there are other exciting types to look out for. Roast squash is really delicious. And when I roast it, I usually roast it with, say, uh, a red onion cut up into little um, kind of what I call petals. So it's when you halve it and then cut each half into little segments and they kind of break apart. And then what I do with that as well is I finely dice some lemon, usually a lemon that I've already squeezed for something else. I finely, finely dice it like confetti and mix all that up with olive oil, maybe some sage and um, salt and pepper. Not really good olive oil, like sort of light olive oil. Roast that for, um, depending what type of squash it is, because some of them soften really quickly, probably half an hour or so at about 180. And then you've got this delicious roast squash which you can use for so many things and with the little pops of lemon they kind of turn into sherbet and it's it's really lovely just like that we to have with say I don't know a pork chop or something or with some other vegetables as a supper or you could put it through pasta or rice it's just a really nice thing um and also I find that doing squash in the oven baking it often means if it's one of the ones with harder skin, 
cut it into quite big pieces and bake it. Then you can just skim it off the skin and use it in many ways. So one of the things I love making is a brandard of squash. I've sort of made that name up, I think, but you know, brandard of salt cob brandard is a kind of smooth, rich puree. So I do a similar thing with squash where I might put some truffle oil in or um, creamy herb cheese and quite a lot of butter or cream and just puree it until it's really smooth. And you, you don't want anything too sloppy, but then it's really nice just to eat with toast as a sort of little canapé. Um, so it's quite a nice one to have for Christmas. And you can always finish it with some sort of delicious grated cheese on top, or if you're very uh, swellagant, some uh, truffle. Uh, so that's a nice one. Another nice one is a sort of caponata, so a sweet and sour squash. Um, so make a sauce with sweat down some onions, add tin tomatoes, um, cook very slowly for a while till everything's lovely and soft. Maybe add some, add a little bit of vinegar, um, maybe a touch of sugar, then raisins and pine nuts, and then add that to some roasted squash. And that is really lovely with, say, a dollop of goat's cheese or as an accompaniment to a roast chicken or some fish. It's a really nice way to have it. Um, and you can, if you want to go really sort of classic caponatory version of garnish, which, as you know, is with aubergines normally, um, blanch some, chop up some celery and blanch it in boiling water until it's just soft and add that in too. Then you've got a lovely mixture of textures. So I'd highly recommend that. And one more thing I think is really nice is just roast squash and um, and then make some caramelized butter. So put the butter on the stove with a load of sage leaves in it um, and let it just cook really, melt and cook really slowly until it, till it starts to go light brown. Then I throw in some sliced garlic, a few chili flakes and a squeeze of lemon. And you get this kind of delicious, uh, almost emulsion, um, which you can just put over squash to eat with a salad or with some toast, with some yogurt. It's absolutely lovely. Um, and also don't forget that squash really is lovely in a curry or a tagine. I mean, it's a great kind of staple, isn't it? Because it's so generally it's nice and solid and kind of, you know, can be a great substitute if if you don't want to be eating meat. Yeah, yeah. So, but also a lovely accompaniment to all sorts of meat. We didn't used to eat a lot of squash. You know, when I was growing up, I don't think I ever saw a squash. No, I think you're really right about that, Alan. I think it is, I don't know why. I think in, for example, in Italy, it's always been very popular, you know, as a filling for ravioli and things mixed with amaretti. But I think it just wasn't in our lexicon. Perhaps perhaps it, I don't, I don't know. know, it was a bit too exciting. We, we were on the <laughs> Swede turnip cabbage vibes but but now they're everywhere but the one thing that does make me sad is the amounts that get well these are more pumpkin than squash that that get wasted at um halloween time yeah so all the things i've suggested you can do with a pumpkin as well yeah lovely um, okay and rosie will be back on the next program with some more ideas for readily available vegetables uh, there are a lot of ideas there and if you'd like to listen again you can find them all on our podcasts uh, available via your podcast catcher of choice And on to wine news now. Tomorrow, Sunday, is the Ely Wine Fair with Ely Wine, the Bakestall, Thorn Wines, Solaris Wines, Adnams, Corny and Barrow and Bubbly Bandits. And there are more than 75 wines to taste. On Sunday the 10th of December, there is a free wine tasting between 11 and 2pm at Maison Clement in Derby Street in Newnham. There will be two champagnes four red wines, four white wines, all to try along with cheese, canapes and French tarts in an atmosphere of French music. 
The wines are provided by Nathan, the founder of the French vine shop in Waymondum, which sells from small, independent growers whose wines you won't find in supermarkets. That's all on the 10th. Uh, a change of dates. it was originally going to be on the 3rd. And also on the 10th of December, uh, this time at 3pm, Amphora has a tasting of premium Bordeaux. The cost is £80. On the 13th of December, it's festive favourites and that's £38. There's a festive natural wine tasting at Thirsty on Wednesday the 13th of December. Starting at 7.30pm, you'll get six specially selected wines that they say could well tempt you away from your usual Christmas fare. And it'll set you up for everything that you need until the end of the year. You'll need to buy tickets for this. It costs £25 and you can get them online at wearethirsty.co.uk or just simply pop into their shop at 46 Chesterton Road. Gutter and Stars has an open day on the 16th of December from noon to 6pm at the winery in French's Road. Steak and Honour will be there up to 3pm and the Pastor Brewery is also attending. Wines will be available by the glass. And finally, back at Amphora, there is a wine quiz night on the 20th of December with a drinkable prize, and that is £20. And not to forget the Foraging Chef's tasting menu on the 17th of December at Amphora. And that's the news for now. We'll have an update from social media shortly. Okay, back to Steve Thompson now, and Sue asked him about recent foraging expeditions. So we've been out and about a lot at the moment. Foraging is still good. There's always something about to forage, but we've just run a course on Sunday. So we'll talk about a bit about what we found on that. What we've noticed, despite the heavy frosts that we're just starting to get, we've still got some lovely green shoots coming through. So we've got the kind of late autumn flush of a lot of the spring plants. So we've got things like Jack by the Hedge coming through. We've got ground elder. We've got some lovely fresh nettles. Winter, winter greens like chickweed are about at the moment, which are just a wonderful fresh snack, kind of nutty and like pea shoots in flavour. It's lovely green salad time at the moment in winter. Some of the other stuff that we found at the moment have been quite a few mushrooms, obviously. So mushrooms-wise, things we'd expect to find at this time of the year, which are wonderful, like trooping funnels, wood bluets, and just the start of the velvet shank season is just starting. Trooping funnels, that sounds a really weird name for a mushroom. What is it? Yeah, so trooping funnels, its proper name is Infundibilisi geotropa. And as said in the name, they're one of the funnel family mushrooms. There are mushrooms in that family that are deadly, so familiarise yourself with them, the false funnel and the ivory funnel. However, I think trooping funnels are fairly easy to pick. I think you're more likely maybe to confuse them maybe with the clouded agaric or the clouded funnel, which is another one of the larger ones. And I say that they're easy to pick because they are larger. The ones that tend to be um, deadly in that family tend to be a lot smaller. So I think once you get sort of uh, side plate size and above, then the deadly ones kind of start to be ruled out a bit more. So what you're looking for with the trooping funnel mushroom is a big funnel-shaped mushroom. They can grow up to the size of a main course dinner plate, I've found them, so they can go huge. They've got quite a tough fibrous stem, which is quite long. The uh, cap looks like a funnel, so it's in like that. I've seen them, yes, and I have a feeling you might have pointed them out to me before. They're quite unique, aren't they? They are. They're really underrated edible mushroom. So they've got kind of like bitter almond flavours, really strong mushroom flavour to them. And I think even though they have the bitter almond flavour, their aroma is really quite sweet. Now, key identification features we're looking for is a little umbo or nipple on the top of the cap. So on the indent in the base of the V kind of thing, there'll be one there. And then if you look at the very base of the stem, so this needs to be pulled up whole, this mushroom, and you look at the base of the stem where it's muddy and it'll be woolly. By woolly, I mean it almost looked like it's got cotton wool stuck onto it. And that's a really good identification feature at the moment. So I think, yeah, familiarise yourself with them, but they're all over the woods at the moment. You want to pick them fairly quickly and nice and young, and then they stay really sweet and fresh. The older ones, when they get bigger, tend to get maggoty quite quickly. But if you do find them that are fresh when they're older, then they're more soup mushrooms because they do get a bit more bitter with age. I think, however, I th I would rather be with you on a foraging one, as you say, if there's a few poisonous ones in that family. I think it's always best to familiarise yourself. You learn the poisonous ones first and then you learn the edible ones and that keeps you safe. That's a very, very good suggestion. We were out walking recently and saw some, I think they were shaggy ink caps. Now, they don't look edible, are they? Yes, um, shaggy imp caps are edible, yes. So their lawyer's wig is another name for them because they look kind of like a big white drumstick. 
And yeah, they're edible. Uh, ink caps get their name, I suppose, because they do something called delesking, which is as they get older, their gills kind of turn to ink. They drip down as they uh, start to decay. But they're a beautiful mushroom and they are really, really tasty if you get the shaggy ink caps. I really, I mean, I looked at them, I thought, oh, that's interesting. But oh, it doesn't look very edible. But oh, I'm glad I asked you. Yeah, they're great. Have them uh, fried up in the morning with a bit of scrambled eggs on toast. They're fantastic for that. Where did you do your most recent foraging tour? Was that fairly local, Newnham, Cambridge area? Yes, it was back in Newnham where we often do them. So we start up at the Panton Arms now and then we all walk around Newnham and everything. So we found some some things we found that were really interesting mushroom-wise actually um, was Chicken of the Woods, which was very late fruiting this year, especially on Willow. I quite often find like right at the beginning of the season, right at the end of the season, it tends to be on Oak more and then Willow kind of in the middle of the season. So we really, yeah, it was um, a really nice unexpected find. Mm. That sounds great. So was that the last of your foraging tours for this year? Yes, I think so. I think that's it, us done now. We'll probably start up again in sort of late February, depending on how the seasons go. So once all the spring shoots start to come up and the early alliums and things like that, that'll be when we start doing tours again. So keep an eye on our socials and we'll chat about it. Yeah, thanks to Steve Thompson. Uh, we look forward to hearing more from him next year. And actually, Shaggy Incaps, which they mentioned there, is one of the the few wild mushrooms that I recognise I've picked and have eaten successfully. So <laughs> they're very good. And uh, Chicken in the Woods actually is the other one. I'm not really confident beyond that, but I really ought to be. But you are confident to try the shaggy ink caps because... Well, they're so easily recognised. Yeah? They're so easily to recognise, yeah. Sue was yeah. a little bit nervous of them when she saw them, didn't well, she? Well, she knew what it was, but she wasn't sure if they could be eaten. Well, okay. They can. Well, over to Chesterton Road now, Mitcham's Corner, in fact, where Great Britannia has new premises. Sue went and asked owner Matt Hodgson about what they're selling. So we have well over 200 English and Welsh wines now. So we've got the largest range of that of anywhere in the country. And this new shop has given us the opportunity to showcase even more. You're also doing some food, I gather, as well as wines. Now we've got this bigger space, we are able to really sort of increase our bar offering. So we've got more wines by the glass, we have a bigger range of beers, but yes, absolutely, we've now started doing food platters. So you can get cheese platters, charcuterie, pâtés, tinned seafood. So we're really proud that all of our food is also sourced from the UK, like our wines. So, for example, all the cheese is from just down the road from the Cambridge Cheese Company. How would you describe yourself best? We're all about being English and Welsh wine specialists. Um, you know, that's what our sole focus in, and that's what we've won all our awards for. So, yeah, we are very proud and also humbled to have won awards for all of the last four years, variously from Decanter and the International Wine Challenge, for being the specialist, top specialist retailer in that category, which is fabulous for us. That's amazing, and that's through the whole of the UK. Exactly, yes, absolutely, yes. So we've um, yeah, we've come up against some stiff competition for the likes of Waitrose, um, but yeah, we've, um, we've always managed to um, get the number one spot, which is lovely. How far north would you say now that grape growing can actually be done? Well, there are actually some brave or foolhardy people who've planted vines near Edinburgh um, in the last couple of years. We're yet to find out just how good those are. But um, I've certainly sampled some really delightful wines um, from the north of England. It still remains true, and it will do for a while, that the majority of great English wines come from the south and the southeast of the country. But yeah, absolutely, just watch this space. They'll be pushing further and further north, and we'll um, yeah, be enjoying um, yeah, Chateau Edinburgh before too long. Chateau Orkney, even. <laughs> maybe, maybe. We'll have to wait another 20 years or so for that one. Could you talk people through English and Welsh wines for people who perhaps think, oh, you know, they're not as good as French or Australian or wherever else. English and Welsh wines um, are reaching quality levels that are absolutely um, on a par with other international wine regions these days. So sparkling wine is probably the best known um, part of English wine. And for many years now, actually, it's been winning top awards um, in wine competitions when it's tasted blind against other wines. But over the last handful of years, what's been really exciting is that English still wines um, have been doing as well. You asked me a question also about what's distinctive about them. So um, English wine is such an exciting wine region to be involved with at the moment. It's very innovative and dynamic. So we're not, how should I put it, hidebound by tradition like um, some wine regions are. I love a good Bordeaux, but 
you know, if you grow grapes in Bordeaux, you can only make wine a certain way. In England, of course, there's some basic rules around quality, but beyond that, the winemakers and the vine growers can really experiment and try out different things. So, you know, we've got um, we've got all kinds of interesting, if you like, traditional styles of wines. We've also got some of the um, sort of funkier pet nat orange wine style categories, very sweet wines, um, off dries, sparkling reds, just you know. You name it, um, there's a winemaker out there in England trying it and producing some really wonderful stuff. What, what is Pet Nat? So Pet Nat is an alternative way of making sparkling wine from the kind of champagne or Prosecco method that we know. In fact, it's actually probably the oldest way of making sparkling wine. So um, it basically involves bottling the wine before it's finished fermenting um, and allowing the last bit of CO2 from the fermentation to, to be just there in the bottle. And it produces a lovely, lightly sparkling um, kind of frisante style wine. So, of course, it's Christmas coming up. And have you got any events coming towards Christmas between between now and Christmas time? So, we've got one tasting for Christmas. But I've got to say, unfortunately, it's already sold out. However, um, we do have a New Year's event that we're quite excited about. So, it's an early New Year's event. So, it's five to eight in the afternoon. And what we're doing is cracking open some magnums of fizz. Now, nothing says decadence and luxury quite like a larger format bottle of sparkling wine so yeah we're going to open half a dozen um, of those for people to taste which will take through a little bit of a tutored tasting have some nibbles for people to eat um, and then yeah basically let people socialize and drink some fabulous fizz so that's something to look forward to and then we've got a calendar events um into the new year so do look on our website we're hosting uh, some ourselves but we've also got some vineyard visitors coming so we've got um Rob Merchant, MBE, from Whitecastle Vineyard in Wales, coming at the end of February to take us through his wonderful range of wines. And we'll get some Christmas wine recommendations from Matt next time. There's our familiar music signalling time for news from social media. Yeah, Maison Clément has posted on Instagram this morning saying that they're now taking Christmas orders up to the 20th of December, 6 o'clock on the 20th December. I was in Maison Clément this morning and the patisserie, the chocolate stuff that they got is just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Fiona Beckett of The Guardian is recommending one of Gutter and Star's wines in today's Guardian. It's their All My Friends Chardonnay, so Gutter and Star's have put a notice on Instagram about that, and that's really good news. Market Square Coffee and Cake have said that they're not able to operate today because of illness. There is a French artisan cheese market at Shelford Deli today. And Gorilla Kitchen has announced some festive specials. The Yuletide Dipper, which includes confit turkey. Sounds fantastic. GK, Gorilla Kitchen Sprouts. And a mince pie spring roll. This all sounds really rather yummy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and that's the news from social media. Right, occasionally we like to try some food or drink here in the studio and today, with Christmas and New Year's celebrations coming up, we thought we'd try some new nibbles. So I've just taken some to Matt, who doesn't actually know what they are. And he, I think I should as well. (laughs) Just to show I'm not trying to poison you, Matt. We're going to try them. And you can tell me what you think, Matt. I've already got flashbacks to a day in, I think it was 2011 or 2012, (laughs) when I was in your kitchen... (laughs) <laughs> and you cooked something up very interesting in a saucepan. You boiled it up. Uh, woodlouse. Yes, it was woodlouse, yeah. yes. Yeah. They were supposed to taste a bit of prawns, but they didn't really, did they? No, no, but <laughs> the memory's never gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what I'm giving you now I've bought commercially in a packet, so... Yeah. I've got to be forward-thinking as well about this, because this is inevitably our future, apparently, where everything is going to be come this. Yeah, OK. And you're going to give them a go? Yes. Right. I think you're talking to try and avoid the inevitable. Yeah, OK. Mmm, <laughs> well, I'm having a crunch. That's me crunching, everyone. There. there. <laughs> <laughs> They're it, actually quite nice, as long as I don't think about it too hard. <laughs> Oh. Well, it's sweet chilli and lime-flavoured crickets. Mm. You know, like grasshoppers. Yeah, yeah, I could see the heads. Um, oh, could you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm. 
And it's quite spicy. It is spicy, isn't it? <coughs> but a nice hint of lime there as well. And oh. the other one, mm -hmm. which I've coded tea. Tea. Shall is... I eat first before you say? Okay, let's grab a Well, they're also crickets, actually, so mm. it's just... Okay. These are toffee-flavoured. Toffee-flavoured crickets. <laughs> they, they, they actually do taste toffee-flavoured. But why to toffee-flavoured crickets? Oh, you don't seem wildly impressed, Milk. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thought of it, isn't it? Well, I I got them at the food the food museum. I went to the food museum mm. last Saturday. They have packs of of them, and they're produced by a company enticingly called Eat Grub. <laughs> <laughs> and the subtitle is Delicious Insect Snacks. And this is this one we've just had is salted toffee crunchy roasted crickets and i said to the person who was selling them at the food museum i said well where do they get the crickets from does somebody go out and catch them and apparently i think she said it was in lincolnshire there is a cricket farm yeah can well, imagine that, that. Is yeah that extraordinary mm. yeah and it raises a good point doesn't it you know how the not the inequality but the the ridiculousness of it all, how I'm happy to eat chicken, cow, pig, <laughs> but duck. Not, yeah. I wouldn't touch a horse, even though that's perfectly normal if you go over to France. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah, it should be equally perfectly fine to, or even more so, to eat insects because Indeed. of the protein level. You know, you're not burning up as much fossil fuels and energy waste and so on. Well, it says here on the pack, to produce one kilogram of protein, mm. crickets require one litre of water, whereas cattle requires 22,000 litres of water. And grams of feed, the crickets require 1,700 grams of feed, and the cow requires 10,000 grams of feed. Oh, sure. So it is absolutely astonishing. And at the Food Museum, they have a sort of kitchen. They have a temporary exhibition about avoiding eating meat and the consequences of eating meat on the environment and on the planet. Mm. And they have a kitchen there in which they've made things without meat. So I had a beetroot burger, which was delicious. And they also had biscuits, and they'd put protein in the biscuits, and the protein was powdered cricket. And it's just really good. All of this is free. You can go and, you know, yeah. eat it while you're there. So... There's precedent as well. I mean, we eat insects unknowingly, uh, how it's included in food. Isn't there an insect that is used in salmon to redden the flesh? Oh, is there? I don't know. Yeah, don't yeah, know. They, that happens a lot. I try and avoid farmed salmon. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, on to the next. Here we go. That's the music for Booker T and the MGs with Green Onions taking us to our job section. And Restaurant 22 has a vacancy with an immediate start for a kitchen porter. The pay is £15 an hour. If you're interested, just email alex at restaurant22.co.uk. Dolcedo Social, which is due to open in Eddington in January, is looking for a head chef. A head chef experience or good sous chef experience is required. And the position will involve curating seasonal menus, fine dining, events, six-course tasting menus, themed events like Mexican fiestas, as well as formal evenings. And you apply by emailing dulcedopatisserie at icloud.com. Now a quick look at some other positions available. You can pop in at a quiet time or check the company's website if you're interested in one of these. So, a commie chef is needed at Downing College. Chefs de party are required at Bill's, Carluccio's, Downing College and Pembroke College. A section chef is needed at the Petersfield pub and a senior sous chef is wanted at Wagamama and an executive sous chef at the University Arms Hotel. And finally, Flat Iron is looking for a chef. And the Petersfield is looking for a head chef. So, good luck if you are applying for any of those titles. And that about wraps up another edition of Flavour. Don't forget, we are here on alternate Saturdays at 12 noon. We are repeated on Mondays at 6pm and Thursdays at 2pm. And we're also available as a podcast from all the usual places. Uh, coming up on Cambridge 105 Radio today at 1 o'clock, Cambridge 105 Radio goes back to the live Winter Fair, to the Mill Road Winter Fair, which is where I shall be going. But that's all from us for today. We'll be back on the 16th of December. We'll have lots more food and drink news, jobs and features. So until then, goodbye. goodbye. I can still hear the sound of you. <laughs> <laughs>